Production. Recorded live. What is up? This is Podcast Rebellion. Once again, I'm your host, Zach Barry. Uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry, we did not have a wrap-up recap episode this week. Uh, instant reactions from the UT Martin game. Uh, myself and Gray were busy. Uh, I was out of town, and he was uh, getting ready to head west to Berkeley. Uh, so he was wrapping up some actual work. But we have a special episode for you today. We are bringing on uh, Rivals recruiting analyst Russell Johnson. He uh, is um, the newest member of the Rebel Grove team. So, Russell, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. How are you? We're doing well. Um, a little dreary uh, day here in Nashville, but um, uh, I, I hate to complain too much um, with everything else that's going around uh, the country. It's much, much worse than here, so I will not complain anymore. Um, other than that, no complaints. Um, so for those that don't know, you're new to Oxford. Um, so yeah, what are yeah. your your initial impressions so far of uh, the tiny – uh, oasis in the uh, worst state in the country. They fit a lot of people in a really small town. That's definitely that's for sure. Uh, the food is pretty good. I I haven't had a bad meal yet. Yeah, where have you been so far? Uh, let's Sorry, see. Your, your your favorite. So you don't far. want me to list them all. We might be here a while. I don't I don't cook much. <laughs> Uh, I had McEwen's when I was, I guess you would call it on my official visit down here before I, I decided to move, and uh, it just blew me away, the, the food there. Um, I've been to, what's the name of the place? I had Funky's Pizza. You have to have Funky's Pizza. Uh, mm-hmm. Dodo's Pizza. What is, it? is it Ajax? Is that how you pronounce it on the square? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm still I'm still learning these pronunciations. Food here, like I said, it's just it's great. Uh, the people have been real nice. I still have my Ohio license plate, so everybody kind of looks at me like I'm crazy. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of good food, that's for sure. Um, so we'll we'll do a little bit of a lightning round towards the end of the show. Um, put you on the spot with some some hard hitting questions about Oxford, but for now, um, so we have you on. We're going to talk some recruiting. A um, little bit of a precarious, uh, unique situation that you uh, got yourself into covering Ole Miss at this particular time. So um, for those that may not really have a, a, a real grasp on the situation as far as recruiting with, you know, I would say one hand tied behind your back, but I think it's two in Ole Miss's case. So what's the general gist of, recruits that you talk to and how what do you think the feeling is right now um for this 2018 class uh, everybody's in wait and see mode the in-state kids the out-of-state kids um but it, but it really seems like the in-state kids kind of know a little bit more of you know the investigation the, the allegations they actually know what's going on to the point that when an opposing school calls them it's not as easy to and kind of sway their opinion and negatively recruit. But when when you're talking to recruits in, like, the state of Texas, California, and places like that, they're not here, so they don't understand everything going on. So when USC, UCLA, and, say, Texas Tech give them a call and you know, kind of explain to them what could happen, I wouldn't say they're gullible, but I would say it's pretty easy to shift their opinion on what's going on at Ole Miss. 
and and we'll go ahead and start there with the with the negative recruiting. Um, you can't you, you can't blame others to do it. I mean, you got to get any leg up you can in recruiting, especially in the SEC. Um, do you think? And obviously, you don't actually know unless any kids told you. Um, do you think it's actual coaches saying, "Look, they're they're going to get hammered. They're going to get a multiple bowl bowl ban. Uh, they're going to get scholarships oh, yeah. cut." Or, or do you? One hundred percent. Do you think it's that? Okay. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. There's no there's no sugar coating. They'll do whatever they can. Yeah. Um, do you actually think um, – now, now, I know that – I go back and forth on this, and, and you can give me your opinion. So, um, I lean – I'm kind of on the fence whether kids actually legitimately care about bowl games. Um, the, the college football playoff is obviously the where you want to go. You want to compete for a national title. Um, yeah. You know, a bowl game can keep you out of an SEC title, but – do you really right. think – I just – I tend to lean towards kids nowadays are looking to find a place to go for three to four years and just to get to the league. Do you think that that's shifting at all, or do you think that they actually really care about the bull band? I I think it's more of the, the lack of team – not team quality, but the quality on the roster. If they get a two-year bull band, then it is actually missing the bowl game. Um, because, you know, if you get the two-year ban, people are going to transfer out. But at the same time, you know, there's also going to be the the opportunity for early playing time for kids to be able to come in as true freshmen and compete, which is something that, you know, Ole Miss has really created as a priority in the past, I'd say, six or so weeks, rather than focusing on avoiding the two-year bowl ban. They're focusing on the early playing time they have to offer the kids and, the ability for the in-state kids to stay home. And now, I, I guess moving more towards, um, I guess the other side of the, of the coin. You know, where I was saying, well, maybe kids now are just—they just want to play, they want to be seen, they want to get their name out there, and they get to the league. But on the flip side, um, yeah, if if Ole Miss gets gets hammered. Um, so as we were as we're recording this, you'll be listening to it on Wednesday. Um, news broke. Uh, the first I saw was Ben Garrett. Uh, so the COI, everything with the COI in Covington, Kentucky, is is done. Uh, everybody's leaving. Uh, I believe they're checking out of the hotel right now. So um, everything's been finalized there, but we won't know anything. So let's say Ole Miss gets a multiple year bowl ban. I don't think it'll be more than two, but they get they get two. Um, going the JUCO route. You, is that too additional, think, or is that this year or next year? <clears throat> just this year and next year. I mean, I don't think it'll be anything more than that. Maybe it will. Um, do you uh, – going heavy JUCO. Um, that's that's such talk, a scary sight. <laughs> it is. Uh, you talked about it, um, you know, on your uh, on your new podcast with, with Neil and, and the rest of the, Re- the Rebel Grove team, the soft verbal um, – for those of you that, that don't know, subscribe. Uh, it's on iTunes. I believe it's under Beer Garden right now. It might. Uh, you have yeah, a yeah. Table it's on presented by Billy Fukan. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned yeah. on there, you know, the the risks of going heavy JUCO, um, but with the amount of talent that's in the state of Mississippi alone, JUCO wise, do you think that would be a nice alternative for Ole Miss if they are slammed? 
they could definitely get away with it and still put a competitive product on the field. But, I mean, those kids are only going to be there one or two years. And what are you really doing other than prolonging the rebuild? Like, you know, if you get you get hammered, you might be better off to kind of do what, what Baylor did. I hate to kind of throw Baylor under the bus. I mean, they're 0-2, lost oh, to no. Liberty and UTSA. But, um, you <laughs> know, with what they did, while you're at it too. <laughs> yeah, they – they put together a class so quickly that they were signing like these overlooked two and three stars in the state of Texas. And that's exactly the alternate route of, from going Juco heavy by going Juco heavy, you're getting these kids for, for two years. You know, they're already probably at their maximum potential, but if you're signing these two and three stars, you have a chance to develop them with the new staff, which I would recommend over the other way. You might go you're one, eight and three and nine a couple years. Yeah. So, and, but you're not going to a bowl game either way, so why not develop the mm-hmm. young talent and then have them coming as sophomores and redshirt freshmen, even the kids you gray shirt coming in. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at a total rebuild, um, then we're just going to go clean slate. Are you um, – so obviously you're going to want to go get a – go find your coach. Pay the man. Yeah get him to bring his staff in and just start from scratch. If we're going on the flip side, so let's say we had to pick four people in the state of Mississippi in the JUCO ranks, four recruits that people need to keep an eye on that Ole Miss could potentially go after. Because, yeah, I agree with you. I think going heavy JUCO is uh, something that's not conducive to getting better as a program. I think it's, like you said, they're just placeholders. They're just kind of you know, you know that that rag that you're trying to you know cover up that clog in, in your poor recruiting. But four yeah. people that you think in the state of Mississippi um, that people need to keep an eye on this year in particular. Well, let's see. At Gulf Coast, you've got you've got Torrance Gibson, uh, the ISA transfer. He was trying to go to Cincinnati. The credits didn't work out. I think I think he might be an option at quarterback. That's obviously if Shea leaves, you know, you, you plug him in and. You play him at quarterback. Um, he's, he would be a much better receiver, but that's just not happening for some reason. And then at, at linebacker, you've got Quinn Jones from East Mississippi. Uh, he really impressed me. He had a pick six last week in that Gulf Coast game, which actually lasted less than two hours. It was so ugly. Um, from there, it really just becomes a toss-up. You've got, oh, uh, what's the LSU transfer's name? Uh, Savion Smith from – Gulf Coast. He already has offers from Alabama and South Carolina. All this would be smart to get in on him. He transferred from LSU. He's looking for another opportunity in the SEC, so I don't see why they haven't, actually. Other than that, you've got Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah Washington. Hold on, i got to look this up. Uh, I was gonna, the one that, that I was curious what your thoughts were on was with Kirk Merritt, do you have any read on him or what his recruiting uh, is looking uh, at? He has one offer right now. Like? Okay. So what? One so he offer was at from Mississippi State. Okay. He was at Oregon and then he left there, and then went to A and M, and then just do you have any clue what happened after that? Why he fell to to the JUCO ranks? I do not. I would have to assume it was it was some kind of off-the-field activity. I don't think it had anything to do with his on-field performance. Um, the the last Juco guy I was talking about was Isaiah Washington. 
from he's an LSU transfer. He's at Gulf Coast as well. He, he's going to be good. And Ole Miss would plug him in, and he would start on that defensive line the moment he stepped on campus. So moving away from the JUCO ranks, so um, talked a little bit about it uh, on a, a post on the site, actually, where we, uh, we, we quoted you quite a few times. Um, so we're going to look at both sides of the football. Uh, so linebacker, it, everybody knows it's their biggest issue. Um, yeah. Talking about, so we talked about Chris Oates. Um, I talked to you about him earlier today. Um, you are from Ohio, so you know the landscape, you know the high school ranks there pretty well. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of joked, uh, jokingly, you know, kind of scoffed at the article, um, you know, how in the world could Ole Miss compete with, with Ohio State at this point for anybody right. with their state. Um, but, I mean, you seem to think otherwise. I mean, you seem to think that there's a legitimate chance and there's some actual real interest there. So I guess fill everybody in on that whole situation with, with him and his recruitment. Well, Oates has been rumored to – one time he was everybody thought he was going to Kentucky. Another time everybody thought it was Cincinnati. Then he showed up in Columbus last weekend for the Oklahoma game. And everyone's like, oh, okay, he's just going to Ohio State. It's a done deal. He's an in-state kid, four-star. Sign him up. But uh, the more I talk to people around him and at the schools out down there, up there, it just it doesn't seem that that's likely at this moment. Maybe – Later on, after the early signing period, that could become a possibility. But right now, he just doesn't seem to be that high on their board. Now, in terms of Ole Miss, they are after him pretty hard. I would say he's probably their top target overall at linebacker. I mean, they just got Jaquez Jones from the Tuscaloosa area, who's a pretty good outside linebacker. Oates would come in and he'd make a contribution day one. So, I mean, the rest of his offer sheet and, and this day and age, I mean, quote-unquote offers, um, you know, listed on a website. It's, it's, that's the most frustrating part of recruiting right now. Yeah. Um, like, so, yeah, you've it, got it offers could be. that went out in February to, uh, let's say, Cam White. Cam White has an Alabama offer. Cam White, from uh, the safety from Madison Central. He's got the an offer from Alabama. And, like, you, you'll look at his rivals profile and you'll be like, oh, he has an Alabama offer. I wonder why he didn't commit yet. And then you you think about it, and it was that was an offer he got to attend the camp. And these camp offers they kind of misconstrue kids into you know heading to these campuses for visits and spending the money and the miles on their cars to get there. It, it's a frustrating part of recruiting, definitely. So you know when looking at Oates, uh, you know his recruiting profile. I mean he's got you know some big time offers. He, you know it looks like he's got. Um, you know, the the heavy hitters, he's got Michigan, he's got, um, you know, LSU. I mean, he's got the Ohio State offer that's listed on there. Um, so, I mean, do you uh, – I mean, you've talked to him. Uh, what is it about Ole Miss that intrigues him aside from they need help ASAP at that position? I mean, he's been down here in to Oxford, I believe, I believe twice. It might be once. I know he was uh, he was supposed to visit the weekend that the whole free situation fell out. I'm not sure if he actually did make that visit, but before that, he was here in I believe March. Yeah, for the Junior Day, and he really really liked it. Uh, it was playing in the SEC. Isn't the normal thing from up there? Up there, 
everyone's like, you got to play in the Big Ten, but he really feels like his game translates better to the SEC level with his speed than it does in the Big Ten, where they might try to play him at more of a an outside linebacker hybrid safety in the Big Ten more than just an outside linebacker in the SEC. So, real chance there, in, in your opinion, and, and like I said, you, you're from the area, you've talked with the kids several times. I mean, I think that this is something to keep an eye on. I mean, um, it, you know, I wouldn't we, say commitment imminent, but it could. I mean, Oates is a really reserved kid. He doesn't like talking to media. He doesn't, I wouldn't say respond well, but he, that's just not his thing. He's never been one to, you know, put out a top five or anything like that. That's just not him. He'll call the coaching staff. He'll make a commitment to his school of choice. He'll post something on Twitter or he'll let a reporter break it. That's it. There will be no top five decision coming or anything like that, at least to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. So um, definitely Chris Oates out of Winston Woods, Ohio, something to keep an eye on. Uh, so moving over to the offense. So uh, we were talking at, at length this morning, uh, about the running back position, um, the other position of need, desperate need for Ole Miss. I mean, it, it, it's been weird. Um, I mentioned it a little bit in the post we had on the site, but it's not for lack of talent. Um, on paper, Ole Miss has had some really good running backs sign with them in the last couple of years, but they just can't get something going. Um, so you've seen a couple in person. You've seen them at camp. Uh, the two I really want to talk about, um, because they're in this class, uh, Jeremy Banks, and Jarvie and Howard. So just kind of give the rundown for people who haven't heard of them, who they are, where you think okay. they're leaning right now, and just what you, what your initial thoughts on them are. Well, Jarvie and Howard earned his offer in June at the Ole Miss camp um, by really showing some increased speed and flexibility that, that he really didn't see on the tape. He's, he's a powerful back, but I can't exactly remember his 40 time off the top of my head. He was really impressive. Um, he has an Ole Miss offer. He's Mississippi State, and uh, he's, he's been waiting on some others. I know Southern Miss is showing interest, so is Memphis. He really just wants to take his recruiting process, I wouldn't say all the way to the end, but he, he wants to make sure he makes one commitment and he sticks with that commitment. Uh, I, I have to say I like Ole Miss's chances. I have since he got that offer in June. He really thought he was going to commit that weekend. But like I said, he wants to get it out. He's had a really, really hot start to his season. He's averaging, I believe, about 200, 220 yards a game and at least two touchdowns. So, yeah, he's definitely a name to watch. Um, when you talk about Jeremy Banks and Cordova, you can't not talk about his left tackle, Jerome Carvin. Uh, Carvin's probably going to end up at Tennessee, but Ole Miss is still pushing for him. Banks doesn't have an offer from Ole Miss currently. But that's something that could be in the works if things go a certain direction. Uh, he's heading up to Wyoming this weekend for an official visit, and his recruitment's kind of taken some interesting turns as well. Um, he's from Mississippi, so that Ole Miss offer would be pretty special to him, as would any from the state. Um, he actually, I do not think, has an offer from Memphis yet, which is also something to watch. Yeah, I think Ole Miss would definitely love to get a, a nice two-for-one deal there with, with Carvin and, and Banks. Um, so those two, uh, you, you said that, that Howard might be leaning. Uh, Banks is still waiting on that offer. So who are the, the, the top?
top competition for Ole Miss if they're trying to get uh, both of them. Because when we talked earlier, you said that you think that they should get them both. Um, so who's the top competition uh, for trying to get both of them? You mean like in terms of schools or other running back targets? Yeah, yeah, in terms of schools, sorry. Yeah, so the the recruiting competition. So which programs are trying to get them as well as Ole Miss? Oh, well, yeah, Mississippi State was after Howard for a while. Uh, they ended up taking the kid from Alabama. And I would say that Banks' top offer that he has currently would have to be UCLA, which he just got a couple of days ago. They kind of jumped in the mix. Oh, wow. That came out of nowhere. Um, them and Virginia Tech are his two big Power Five offers. That, well, a little more implications on uh, this weekend's game between the Bruins and, and the hometown Tigers. Yeah, I, I think that might be kind of why they offered. I believe – they might have a couple coaches at his game on Friday. I'd have to assume. I mean, you don't you don't offer a kid from Memphis sleep in a hotel in Memphis and not go see the kid. Yeah, pretty good timing too. Uh, Cordova and, and Banks will take on uh, Carville this weekend. It should be high scoring, so he'll he'll be able to uh, pad some. They're stats. playing who? Uh, Carville, uh, right outside of Germantown. I uh, know that. Okay. Yeah. Should should be high scoring, so he'll definitely be able to uh, put his talents on display if there's UCLA coaches there. Um, but yeah, so looking at uh, the rest of the landscape, I know that you're high on a couple of receivers that Ole Miss is after. Uh, if you want to kind of talk about a couple of those, uh, I know Tommy Bush is one that you're really high on. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Bush really, really blew up in the spring circuit. Uh, Ole Miss was the second Power Five school to offer him before that kind of whole thing where he was. He was picking up Texas and Alabama and, and Michigan offers basically in the same day. Um, but the early priority that, that Coach Peeler has placed on Bush has really helped in his recruitment because, you know, as these bigger schools come along and, you know, kind of try to push the, the Ole Misses and the Michigan States out of the side, to the side, they, they haven't been able to because Tommy Bush is so worried about the loyalty and you know, people being there from the start. Um, other than Bush, you've you still got Elijah Moore, who is committed to the University of Georgia, but Ole Miss is still pushing, and they're going to push to the end. Uh, they they thought they had him. They thought he was signed, sealed, and delivered, and then he visited the University of Georgia. He was in Athens, and I, I've never been to Athens personally, but everybody says it's a really nice town, kind of like Oxford is, and that kind of sealed the deal uh, between that and the NCAA. And so a um, couple other receivers uh, that I had in mind. So uh, one that, that I think Ole Miss felt really good about that they lost, um, uh, Elijah Moore out of Florida. Georgia kind of swooped in at the end. Uh, do you think that that is – do you think that ship has sailed or do you think they're still going to push to maybe see if they can flip him? They're, they're still pushing to flip him. They'll push, they'll push till signing day. And now you mentioned – Peeler and, and his impact that he's had on on guys like Tommy Bush's recruitment. Do you, I mean, do you think that um, he'll be able to possibly get any bigger names um, other than uh, those two? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as Peeler's on the staff and the offense looks the way it has the first two weeks, you're never going to have a problem in Oxford getting talented wide receivers to come on the campus. That's just not going to happen. Peeler really felt like rather than offering, you know, 
no offense, but like, you know, the low three stars and the high two star receivers, when uh, things started to get bad, when, when freeze left and everything like that, he wanted, he decided just to wait it out to, to show these recruits what the offense looks like and what they could do in it and kind of go from there. And it's really helped. I've, like I said, I talked to Tommy Bush, posted an update on him on our site yesterday. He definitely likes the offense, could see himself in it. And I believe a lot of other players feel the same way. Yeah, I think it's it, – uh, on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we talked about Ole Miss just – they just needed to play. They just needed to get out there and show people what they could do. And I don't think it's going to hurt one bit when Shea Patterson is – breaking single-game passing records, and, and A.J. Brown's leading the nation in receiving yards. I think that's going to get some people's attention, to, to put it lightly. To put it lightly, yes. Uh, so, a lot of recruiting. Then we've got a long way to go in this cycle. The the early signing period is going to throw a wrench in, in, a, in a little bit. I, I don't think it'll be too much. I mean, I think the, the lack of clarity on the NCAA situation is going to make things difficult, but um, so before we let you go, um, I'm going to do a little lightning round here. Um, we used to do it with okay. everybody. This first time on the show. So um, and, you're, and, and you're relatively new to Oxford, so hopefully you can answer all these. So best burger in Oxford, what do you think? Oh, best burger in Oxford. You have to go with, uh, isn't the name of the place Oxford Burger? Is there an Oxford Burger Company? I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was something Burger Company. I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, it is Oxford so Burger know, Company. That was, a, that was a really good burger. Okay. Uh, so I know that uh, I think the the, con, the consensus favorite at the site is Handy Andy. So if you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. Um, I have not. And, I've heard good things, but I haven't been there okay. yet. Yeah, and I myself, I haven't been to Neon Pig yet, but I've also heard good things about that as well. Um, So moving on, so we'll go to uh, if you're having a hot dog, what are you putting on it? Ooh, that's a good question. I think Neil and Chase asked a similar question to that. I'm one of those weird people. I don't put anything on my hot dog. Okay. So no condiments, you just go just straight naked dog. Yep. It's not All a right. sandwich well, either. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, that was going to be my follow-up. As long as you're not putting <laughs> ketchup on it, then we're good. No, 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 that's for kids. <laughs> All right. Um, so you may not know much about it, but the, when you hear the beacon, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Bacon. Breakfast. All right, fair enough. I, I've All had right. it. It's good. All right. Now, follow up to that, have you been to Big Bad Breakfast yet? Big Bad Breakfast knocks them out of the park, though. All right. Good man. All right. The bacon, uh, so at, the what... bacon at BBB was – I've never had bacon as good as that. Oh, yeah. Hand cured all day. Yeah, it was – oh, man, I – I'm going to have to go there tomorrow for breakfast now. You keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were talking about Ajax uh, earlier. So you've been there. Uh, what's your go-to menu item at Ajax? I get the buffalo chicken wrap. 
Ooh, all right, all right. That's a little, a little out of the norm. Uh, have you had the meatloaf yet? No, no, no. I'm not a meatloaf guy. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then, so lastly, uh, a little local flavor for you, or I guess former local flavor, is Skyline Chili really that good? Skyline Chili is horrible. <laughs> okay. They would, I, they would I, cater I sometimes to Cincinnati games, and I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not going there. <laughs> or people would want to meet there after the game, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. That's that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've never had it, but uh, that's kind of one of those local, um, you know, kind of like, like Memphis has barbecue and uh, Texas has brisket, and, you know, there's like these lo- these local uh, dishes or these, these you know, the food that they're known for. And, and I feel like a lot of people have no problem saying that it's terrible. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's, if you don't like it, you hate it. That, that's how it is. All right. And, and I guess since uh, we're, we're talking about Cincinnati, um, you're, so how long were, were you covering recruiting in the state of Ohio? In the state of Ohio or just for Cincinnati? Well, either or. Well, I started out with SB Nation, you know, covering the MAC and Hustle Belt and everything. So I would I started in February of 2014, and I left last month. So that's about three years. All right. So give us your best Tommy Tuberville anecdote. Oh my god! <laughs> he was not. <laughs> don't don't get me started on Tuberville. I know people at Ole Miss kind of have some weird ties to Tuberville. I haven't really figured it out. I didn't read the history books or anything before I came. But uh, Tuberville was an interesting guy. He uh, the the one game I did attend. It was the Houston game on national TV when everybody was all hyped up and. Tom Herman versus Tommy Tuberville. There were 100 recruits in the stands. Cincinnati gets beat down in the second half. The post-game press conference comes around. Here comes Tuberville, and then he's like, uh, there will be no players following my press conference. There there was no players post-game. We couldn't even get an assistant coach to talk. Now, was this an angry Tuberville, or was this a very stoic uh, I mean, what was the what was the body language like? He was not pleased. He was not pleased at all. Uh, uh, I think I think his quarterbacks threw like four or five interceptions that game. I don't know. I feel I feel really bad for uh, for Fickle because Fickle thought he was getting Torrance Gibson to play quarterback, and I saw the first two weeks he's got Hayden Moore still out there, and I'm like, oh gosh. Was that when Mock was at Cincinnati? No, no, it was uh, Gunnar Keel, and they they all uh, wanted yeah. Gunnar Keel to get in the game, and Keel went in. Oh, Keel did not work out with Tuberville in that offense. Yeah, one of those one of those can't miss prospects that that uh, that missed a missed. lot, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll have you'll have to get Neil and Chase to, to fill you in on the folklore surrounding Tuberville, but just a quick the highlights of it was. He was a coach at Ole Miss, obviously. He came in after the bowl ban that happened in the 90s. Uh, okay. Did a pretty pretty good job. A uh, couple bowl games, 
uh, the infamous uh, Motor City Bowl in 97 when they beat Randy Moss and Chad Pennington. But he is notorious for rumors were swirling. He wanted the uh, Auburn job. Um, he told uh, – I can't remember if it was a press conference or it was just an interview, but he said that he would only leave Oxford in a pine box. That's what that came from. Everybody was talking about a pine box with Auburn softball coach a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, so um, that's what he was famous for. And then uh, Neil would know a lot more details than me because I'm pretty sure he was covering Auburn at that time, I think. Um, But, yeah, I think it was like a week or two later he took the job at Auburn. (laughs) Oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. I see. I see why people don't like him. I, I did. I, I, I knew something about him saying something about a pine box because people were mentioning it when um, Coach Smith was being mentioned as a candidate for the Auburn softball job. Um. <laughs> and and Ross Bjork was like confirming that he was going to remain at Ole Miss. They're like, hopefully he didn't say anything about a pine box. <laughs> oh man, I missed that. Uh. That's some good stuff right there. You're, you're missing um, out. You know, rebelgrove.com, Rebel where our form and our message board is always going. 3, 4 a.m., uh, you can wake up, feed the kid, and go read the message board <laughs> for 10 minutes, and you'll get a nice laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you can't get too deep in that message board. you got to kind of wean yourself off and not get in there too much. It'll drive you crazy. Um, so uh, that'll that'll do it for, for this edition. Uh uh, the inaugural Russell Johnson podcast rebellion episode. So uh, Russell, tell the folks where they can find your work and find you on Twitter. If they want to uh, tweet at you with some questions, slide in some DMs. Uh, I don't encourage that, but they, they might want to. <laughs> and the DMs are open. Uh, my Twitter is at rivals Johnson. You can find my work at rebelgrove.com. And uh, like I said, follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Ole Miss Rebels on rebelgold.com. And I look forward to it. I'll definitely be back on this podcast again soon. Yeah, Russell, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, once again, thanks for your time. Uh, so, yeah, follow him on Twitter. Uh, also, be sure to look out for the next episode of the Soft Verbal. Uh, so yeah, Russell, I believe we're recording uh, on Thursday. So. All right. Well, good deal. Um, so yeah, we'll have, we'll have uh, an interview so, with Brandon Turnage. Oh, nice! Yes, yeah, 2019 flavor local kid out of Lafayette. Um, so yeah, That's right. Soft verbal, subscribe on iTunes. Go on Rebel Grove, read his stuff. Russell, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, stay locked in on the site. We're gonna have a lot more good stuff on uh, Cal. Have a Q and A. We're gonna have a couple other. Uh, pieces come out this week and we'll have another episode of the podcast later on this week as well to preview that game so uh that's all gonna do it for us for today for russell i'm zag this has been podcast rebellion we are out